Welcome to Loud and Clear. Today is another episode in our holiday series. I'm your host, Olivia Adams, and we're talking with Ali Gassel all about the upcoming performance of a Christmas classic, Handel's Messiah. We could not go one of these holiday episodes without talking about Handel's Messiah, perhaps one of the most famous holiday pieces performed. So to introduce our guest today, Ali Gassel is a settler born in Saskatoon, Treaty 6 territory, now residing in Toronto. They just graduated this spring with their Bachelors of Music and Vocal Performance from the University of Toronto. And though they're classically trained as a mezzo, they put no limit on their expression and enjoy singing everything from musical theater to R&B and are currently in three punk bands. Recent credits include Prince Orlovsky in Die Flutermaus, Marie-Anna von Mozart in Mozart Reimagined. Yitzhak in Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and the hero in the Sinai Sessions concept album. They're so grateful to be performing among such wonderful colleagues and would like to thank their family, friends, and the Saskatoon arts community for supporting them on their musical journey thus far. Now, Ollie is one of the soloists with the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra this year and their rendition of Handel's Messiah. Welcome, Ollie. It's so good to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well, you know, just chilling in Toronto. There is no snow, thankfully. I don't know what it's like where you are, but... No snow. Okay, nice. It feels strange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I like to start all of my interviews off with the same question, and that's what is the origin story? What, how did you find your path uh, to a career in music? <laughs> that's a great question. It's a loaded question. Well, I guess first off, I'd probably say I'm very much still finding that path. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a lifelong, ongoing kind of effort um, as a creative. But I can point to the the beginning of my career in music, I guess you could say, um, was definitely uh, family spent some time in Minnesota for a while. And when we moved back, I was seven years old and I joined the Coraliers. I don't know if you know that that Saskatoon choir, my cousin. My older cousins, Madison and Colby McLean, a bit older than me, they were in that choir and they were both singers. And so I just, I just joined that choir. I'd never really done any other music before. And I just joined kind of to be with them. And uh, I found that I really, really loved it. So uh, then when they moved on to Fireside, the Fireside Singers, directed by Marilyn Whitehead, I, I followed them there. They were taking private voice lessons from her. So I followed them there. So it really started with me kind of really looking up to my cousins and wanting to be like them. But also, I think really finding my love of music and classical music specifically through a choral lens is mm-hmm. definitely how I started. And I still love choir and I'm in two choirs now. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you singing in right now? Um, so I am singing in the Concreamis Chamber Choir. I'm, I'm so excited about this choir. We actually have our winter performance on December 10th, but it's a really cool choir run by Kai Lung. And it's been a couple years in, it's been going for about three or four years, I think. And it started with the U of T composers group. And, and Kai is one of those composers. And he wanted to start a choir where it would be dedicated to performing music that University of Toronto composers and U of T alumni composers could have a place to have their music um, done and have them hear it. So we do like basically only like brand new stuff. So it's super fun and cool. And I love, yeah, so that's what that choir is. And then I have my church choir gig at a Kingsbury Lambton United. You know, you got to do it. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) We've all had a church choir gig. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
That's great. I love that you and I have that sort of shared background of choir. I wasn't in Fireside, but I was in a bunch of other choirs. And I believe that we shared Greystone singers. But I don't know that we were ever there at the same time. I don't know if we were there at the exact same time. I also forgot Sestrian Children's Choir. That was also a thing I did. I don't know. But we do share that sort of choral background. I started singing in choir when I was five. Then I started playing the piano when I was eight. And I sort of switched, but I've always, I've always been in a choir since I was five years old. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I just think it's really nice. I find as singers, a lot of the times it, it can be a little bit isolating if you're like studying like solo work and stuff. It's just kind of you alone. And um, I, 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 yeah, I don't think there's ever been a year where I haven't been a part of some sort of choir because I really like that communal aspect of and making music collectively with multiple yeah. voices. It's like so important to me. So yeah, <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I, I definitely hear you. I think it's just, it's the community uh, aspect for me. It was like finding a, a voice and then that pretty much everybody can join a choir, right? There's really? so many choirs that are like non-auditioned or for late voices or for young children, right? So there's just, there's a place for everybody in the choir community. And that's something that I love. I'm having you on the show because of course you are singing the Messiah this year with SSO, which is awesome. Is it your first time singing the alto role for the Messiah? Or have you done it? Are you, is this old hat? Mm-mm, no, this is my first time. Yeah, I'm, oh. I'm new <laughs> to this. <laughs> That's so exciting. So are you looking forward to going back and singing with your hometown orchestra? Totally. Yeah, I'm so excited. I've had a couple opportunities in the past to, to sing with them. They're so amazing, but I've seen the Messiah for quite a few years. And so I'm, I'm really excited to actually be up and doing it. <laughs> That's so exciting. Have you sung in the choir for the Messiah before? No, I've never actually okay. done like a full one. I've, I've, I've sung in the choir for like different bits and pieces of it, but I've never done one of the full thing. So well, that's exciting that your first full time through the Messiah <laughs> is is as the soloist. <laughs> Uh, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Do you have a favorite song in the work? Ooh. Well, well, the one that I'm like really working on right now, But Who May Abide, The Day of His Coming, is great. It's really cool. I have to admit, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm a kind of a, I'm a bad classical singer because I actually like <laughs> didn't really know super in depth, like everything in the Messiah. And so when I was like going through the alto parts and like looking through what my stuff is or whatever, um, I didn't know that one really that well. And I was like, okay, like whatever. And I, I will admit, I looked up, I started looking at that one, like just like a little bit later than I probably wanted to be. And I was looking at it and I was listening to it. I was like, oh, wow, this is sick. This is awesome. It sounds so good. It, this really slaps, but like, oh no, <laughs> like this it's is intense, really fast. Yeah. Like there's a lot of, I guess, color tourist situation going on, but it's, it's been so fun to learn it and it's it's mm-hmm. it's just really fun to sing but yeah I was I was surprised I didn't know to my knowledge that that one is at least for what the rendition that we're doing that one is definitely by far the most active mm-hmm. and so it's really fun <laughs> that's awesome it's fun to be able to do a piece that like really showcases different aspects Handel's Messiah it really showcases a choir it showcases each of the soloists so well and it showcases mm-hmm. the orchestra beautifully so obviously all three parts working together but it's really unique in that aspect that it's not always all three at once but it's it showcases the individuals as well as the choir and orchestra ah totally yeah that's so cool i really agree with that and something that i've been finding that i love so much not even just the messiah oratorio in general but yeah Mm -hmm. i what i really like about it is you can see those moments it's not even song to song it's Mm -hmm. you can see those moments inside each piece where it's the soloist 
it's time to have a moment to kind of step forward, I guess, in the in the texture. But there are lots of times I'm noticing where it's my solo part, but I'm holding this note and I'm accompanying the strings or something, right. which I think is so cool. And it, it, it's so much like give and take, play back and forth, which I find really rewarding. And I think it, it kind of goes back to that aspect that we were talking about in choir is like you feel the community, you feel yeah. like you're joining your voice with something larger. That, that must be why we like it so much. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> so your musical career, it's wide, it's varied, and you're not just a classical musician and you sing in so many other genres. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I feel like I've sang in every genre that I'm aware of, I guess. I'm, I'm sure there's more. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm actually, I'm always finding more things. I'm listening to music, going to shows or whatever, and finding more things that I haven't stuck my fingers in yet that gets me excited. I'm always trying to learn more and be a part of more things. As of right now, I guess the main stuff, classical singing, I have two punk bands, one in Toronto and then one in um, Saskatoon that I've been writing with. That's been super fun. I love musical theater. I tend to, I'm, I'm, I'm usually, this has probably been the longest break that I've had without doing as much musical theater, but I am, I am doing another, I'm doing another, I'm also coming back to do the Messiah, but also I believe January 27th, Sparrow Theater is doing Hedwig and the Angry Inch again. And so I'm going to be playing Yitzhak in that. So I guess you could call that, that's musical theater, but also like, like rock music, yeah. I guess. So that's really exciting. What other projects? Annika Tupper and I have been, she's out at Sheridan and uh, we've been writing for over the last year, still slowly working away at it. We're writing our own musical, which is really exciting. Um, she's That's in the, exciting. Yeah, she's in the composition stream at Sheridan. And so it's been really great um, working together, kind of doing book and music together. So that's really neat. I'm, I'm really excited for it. That'll hopefully, hopefully will be first draft will be finished in summer. So what's it like like playing in a punk band and then going to practice the alto part for Handel's Messiah? Mm. Like that's got to be this sort of... <laughs> strange dichotomy. It can be. Yeah. I have to admit it's been quite a learning curve that I feel like I'm, I'm still figuring out. I think probably one of the biggest challenges for doing that. And I think it, what is and will be the biggest challenge like for my musical career is figuring out those, those transitions and those switches in like healthy and safe ways, especially vocally. I uh, I don't really discriminate between genres. I think they're all amazing. Yeah. And I do believe that you can make any sound you want to with your voice healthfully. You just have to find that way. There's, you know, there's ways to do punk unhealthy. There's ways to do classical unhealthy too, you know? And so it has been, honestly, been a trial and error. There have been times where, you know, I like play a show, play a gig. Then the next day I'm like, crap, I over pushed that there. Or I wasn't quite, I forgot about my technique a little bit when I was doing that scream. I can feel that. How do we figure out what went wrong there? And how do we change that for next time? It's an ongoing effort figuring out how to do those things with the classical technique that I do I do think is I try to keep it at the base of every genre that I do, no matter what. So it's definitely trial and error. Like it's not perfect, but I'm slowly figuring out how to do that because that's been my goal. I think since I started music, I, like when I started singing, I knew I knew I wanted to do a lot of things and I just had to figure out how to do them sustainably. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that there is technique supporting all of the genres. It's not just Absolutely. in classical music. Like there is 
like you said, a proper way to do a scream. There is technique for it. Yes. If you want to do it properly and sustainably, and if you want to be able to do it for your whole life, there's ways to do that. Also, there's lots of people who don't do that and that's fine. (laughs) But I think it becomes most apparent and necessary for people who are wanting to kind of cross genres. And I I feel like as opera singers, we kind of learn, we're kind of lucky. We we learn that like our genre, I guess, we we tend to have the longest careers, you know, like as our voices are maturing mm-hmm. and developing you know we're just getting into the good stuff when we're like 48 you know right. so that's super exciting and I I know as like a 23 year old I know that I want to do all these things but I also want to still be good to sing at 40 and and onward so that's why like it's really important to pay attention to that someone else might not need to or care if, if they're not planning on also doing opera no, that that absolutely makes sense. And for vocalists, it's so unique because your instrument is you. And so yeah. it's so it's so personal. <laughs> if you do anything to damage your instrument, you feel it totally physically and and you want to be able to like you said sustainably sing for your whole life so do you find when you're performing different genres that they're influencing each other or do you see them more as siloed like I'm gonna put on my opera hat and then I'm gonna put on my church choir hat and then I'm gonna put on my punk rock hat (laughs) or are they do you think they influence each other Okay, I want to know what the punk rock hat looks like. You know, I feel like at the start, I feel like when I was younger, I definitely, when I was younger, like like two years ago, like, I don't know. I feel like it's been, I've, I feel like I've learned so much since coming to Toronto, but I definitely struggled with, I had, I remember like going through, especially going through uh, when I was in school and I was in music school, like kind of this like identity crisis where I did feel like I was putting on different hats in different spaces, you know, whether it was like a church space or a choral space, classical space, musical theater, punk shows, whatever. I I always felt like I was being, I wasn't being like genuine, my full self. I always felt like I was hiding certain parts of myself to be palatable, I guess, for like the different genres or the different places I was. And I mean, I'm I'm getting into it now, I guess, but like that, that that reaches farther than just musically, but also socially, like identity wise for myself, like as a queer trans artist. Yeah, there's certain spaces where I would hide certain things and still kind of struggle with being open about those things in different spaces. But as I've been living and and growing here, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the beginnings of these things starting to flow together which is really nice. I think as I become more confident in my queer and trans identity, and I've become a lot more vocal about it too, you know, it was pretty exciting in the Messiah program, putting my pronouns in there, going by Ollie, you know, I will very likely not be wearing a dress (laughs) um, when I perform, you know, (laughs) that's, I don't know, that stuff's exciting. So I guess, okay, so talking socially, I feel like they go hand in hand, um, just to kind of bring it back. As I'm able to become more myself in all the spaces, I also find that the music really does kind of meld together too. I really, I really don't like thinking of it all as separate. They're all just songs, stories and things I like to sing. And um, I I do find that they influence one another. And um, actually, I find that quite beneficial to kind of come from different perspectives on how to approach something. I'm sure though I may not use a a punk scream tone for the Messiah, I do know, (laughs) you know, there are moments that I'm going through it and I'm I'm feeling like, oh, I want to use some like strong, chest here you know like I'm gonna use a chest voice that has a bit more bite that is actually much closer to what I would use in singing punk music and I can do that as long as I have a reason and intention behind it you know so I'm I'm kind of I love that and I just love what you just said in that 
it's all stories. We're just sharing stories and there's no hierarchy in that this is high art and low art. Absolutely not. It's all just sharing stories and we're sharing stories in the style of whatever time the music was was written in, right? Totally. That's a big one for me. I I think I've been learning more and more. I like to refer to music as stories and I like to refer to myself as a storyteller or a story writer. Mm -hmm. Um, the stuff that I like to make, I don't know, to me, it's like all the, all the other stuff around it is great, but like at the core of it, it's the text and it's what we're, what are we talking about? You know? Absolutely. And I think for me, like I get to work with, I get to work with some community choirs and then I also have a mezzo soprano that, uh, we do some collaborative work together and being able to work with singers. I love that sort of draw back to the text. What is the text saying? How is the music or the accompaniment complementing the text? Because I mean, in the heart of hearts, we're all just storytellers. I think that's what's so lucky about being a singer is I'm so glad that we get to say words. Other instruments, great. You know, I play multiple other instruments and I love them, but I think I just personally would be really sad if I wasn't able to to say words. <laughs> yes. Even though they're so hard sometimes, it's a lot easier Absolutely. if you just do it all on one vowel, but you know. I just have to move my fingers, sometimes <laughs> my feet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are you looking forward to right now creatively? Do you have some exciting shows coming up? I mean, you have already mentioned a few. What performances besides the Messiah are coming up. Okay, so yeah, just reiterating Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which will be a lot more punk musical yeah. theater based. Um, so that's coming to TCU actually, which is super oh, exciting. That's exciting. Um, yeah, pretty sure January 27th. That's really exciting. We're, we're doing that again. We did it last summer and then back by popular demand, we're gonna do it again. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for more writing opportunities. Writing with my partner, Annika is gonna be great. And then it's kind of fun coming back to Sask Uh, over Christmas and spending some time with the Checkout Queens, which is the punk band that we started actually from our last production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch because there is a live rock band in that production. And that rock band happens to be, we all happen to work together so well. We were like, okay, well, let's just be a band outside of that. So yeah, I'm really excited to come back. I think we've got a couple gigs lined up. I think we're going to take a little tour to Regina and play a a couple gigs there, which is kind of exciting. This is fun. So um, I'm excited to do that as well amazing I love that that's so just so great and so you get to experience all sides of your of your musical spectrum yeah well it's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you we're gonna wrap up our chat with a few rapid fire questions there are no wrong answers just go with your gut can you point to a moment when you knew you wanted to be a musician Ah, you said no right or wrong answers. Um, when I knew, you know, I feel like I really knew when I wrote my first song oh, is when I knew that I wanted to do this and make this for a, for a living. Can you tell us what was your first song? Oh my gosh. Uh, it was called, uh, it was called J song and, uh, I wrote it for a boy I liked in high school. <laughs> and it was great. It was great. And it worked, it worked. And then we were together for like a year and a half. So. There you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think, yeah, it was the first time, I guess I used my own musical language to try to communicate something and to try to get something. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's powerful. Like I want to keep doing that. <laughs> So, yeah. That's great. Uh, Do you have a favorite piece or song to perform? Favorite piece or song to perform? That's hard, I guess, because I I, I like things that are all 
like I feel like I've got like a favorite song for like every every kind of genre or feeling. Oh, totally. of that. One that's kind of I've loved for a while. I mean, I love singing Must the Winter Come So Soon. I feel like every like time winter comes around, I'm like, ugh, gotta do this one. It's just such a good mezzo aria. I also really like Die Stille Stadt, Alma Mahler. I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like, I really like that one. That's another, I guess I, I'm just in that zone. I'm in that like dark, like moody, like winter zone. And I, I really like those songs, especially, I think they really, um, they sit well in my mezzo voice. I right. Guess. And they set the tone for the season because these days oh, it's dark so quickly. Yeah. I, yeah. I really, I think both of those songs, I just enjoy Actually, my favorite part about it is not even the singing, actually. My favorite part is the piano parts to both of those. Like, that they, they're they so dark. They're so cold. And I, I really... I just like standing up there and, like, looking. <laughs> I love doing... like I love with, like, that kind of music. Like, I love just standing there, like, touching the piano and just doing nothing. And just, like, letting the piano go. And I'm just, like, in the moment. It's great. <laughs> That's so fantastic. <laughs> Have you ever been given bad career advice? what was it? Yes. I think it took me quite, it, I'm, and I'm still working on it. It took me quite a few years to unlearn, but multiple times I was given kind of that advice, like stop messing around with other genres, you know, like you need to stick with classical, like you're good at this thing. And the only way that you're going to be able to be successful in it or to, to go anywhere with it is you, you need to focus on that. You need to stop being distracted by these other things. But that just was just not great. That just wasn't the right advice for me. Actually, Maybe it was really good advice because it would always make me so upset that then I would be like, okay, then I would go do something else. And it it actually did inspire, it kind of maybe challenged me to think like, no, 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 like I am going to actually do well in all of these aspects. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. And just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life. Totally. I think that's another big lesson. That's a big thing to grapple with. I feel like um, growing up is that, yeah, you can have an affinity or be really talented in, in one aspect and totally go for that if you love it. But if there's other things you love, yeah, do those too. And even like, God forbid, like even if you're not as trained or as good at those things, if you love those things, then do them, <laughs> do them too, you know? Right. And also, I mean, I think the money thing is always such a concern for musicians, but not every form of music needs to be the thing that's paying the bills. Sometimes we can do things just because we love to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I've said, haven't had to, haven't had to do it yet, but I, I kind of made a promise to myself that like, I'm fully prepared and ready if I ever need to pick up like a serving gig or just need to do something like completely not music related as a job to get by so that I can do like, so that I can do my music on the side and gig on the side. I'm fully prepared to do that. If I, at a certain point, I'm unable to like support myself with the music, I'm I'm going to do that because I just want to, yeah, even if the music side isn't making money, I still consider that part of my career and I'm going to keep doing it. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> Location, right? Yeah. What's some good musical or career advice you can pass on to other musicians? Ooh, I'd say listen to as much different music as you can. Try to make it. Try try to try to do that. Even if even if you have a favorite genre, you know what you like. Challenge yourself, push your artistry a little bit. Pick a genre that you don't know anything about and listen to it and and find find what's special about it. Find the validity in it for yourself. Like what what about it is hard? Why why is it hard to make this? You know? And 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 
I guess, find that appreciation for those different things. And in doing so, even if you don't plan on like performing that kind of genre, spending some time with that and experimenting with that is like absolutely going to come back and benefit you in the genre that you are working on. Like any kind of expansion that you can do, I find it creates a lot more space. When I come back to classical, it's exciting and there's more room and I'm, I can think about things in new ways that I, I hadn't before. So yeah, try different things, listen to different stuff. And I mean, too, it, it goes back to what you were saying before of it, it. That also helps to break down these false hierarchies that sort of get propagated in music, particularly in classical music is that mm-hmm. there's this hierarchy and actually we can, there's so much that we can learn from other genres. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, I think you, you said it so well, actually, like earlier in the podcast, you reminded you reminded me and, and everyone, I guess, that the special thing, the, the interesting thing about our, our genre, I guess, classical, is there is new stuff being written, but the vast majority of it is is really old and is like a different time. You can't even compare punk music or whatever, which is just in the last, I don't know, not even 50 years, I guess, comparing that. Like we're we're not just comparing like two different genres. We're comparing like we're time traveling. Like we're comparing two different eras. So eras. like yeah. It's they don't have to be at war, <laughs> like you know. Exactly, they're, they're not even in the same plane, and like yeah. so. It's of course, of course, they're going to be different. One is not higher than the other, and it's actually very cool if you mm-hmm. can bridge those gaps because then yeah. you really are kind of you're bridging space and time. Wow, this is getting lofty. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's just they're not competing at all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What What music are you listening to right now? Oh my gosh, what am I listening to right now? Lately, my newest obsession is hyper pop and. And Frost Children, um, this amazing duo, hyper pop duo, um, both just two beautiful trans siblings making some really, really cool music. How would I describe? A lot of the times I, I find I listen for the classical inside of other genres. And I would consider this like hyper pop. I would consider it to be, I feel like the hyper pop that they're making in terms of texture or thinking about it orchestrally obviously the tones are completely different a lot of them are a lot more electronic Mm -hmm. but just the size and scope of all of these different textures that they use working together gives me quite gives me quite like a symphonic quality and I think it's it's really neat harmonically very interesting yeah so I'm kind of I'm obsessed with them right now I like (laughs) so they're they're really cool if you want to amazing I'm gonna look you've never heard of if you don't if you've never heard hyper pop whoever's listening this is this is your sign to go listen to something totally different around Frost Children, their new album Spiral. Very good. (laughs) All right. I'll link that in the show notes. That sounds great. Totally. So thanks so much for coming on Loud and Clear, Ollie. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and uh, reconnect again. It's been a while, I think, since we've had a conversation. Can you let our audience know where they can find you and know about the exciting things that you're doing? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was so great to talk to you. Thank you so much. You can follow me on Instagram, um, Ollie underscore Gasell. It'll be linked because that's all I have. I feel like I should make a website. I feel like I've waited long enough to probably make a website. I have an ASMR channel on YouTube. <laughs> follow that but yeah no all my stuff will on my instagram is is where and you could also follow uh if you want you could follow the checkout queen's instagram our band yeah <laughs> all right that sounds amazing thanks so much ali awesome thank you so much and that is a wrap on my episode with ali once we hit the end of the recording ali and i kept talking for another 
hour or longer. <laughs> and they had so many interesting things to say. And one of the things that they told me about after they got off the call is that they have done Drag Messiah. So I am going to link that in the show notes. And so you can go and check that out. And I really want to thank Ollie for coming on and being part of it. And if you are in the Saskatoon area, you must check out Handel's Messiah, which is happening this weekend. One of our former guests, Cassette Justo Valdez, is conducting the work and it's going to be fantastic. So you need to check it out. If it's already sold out by the time this episode releases, I really encourage you to get digital tickets. That's what I'm doing. And I'm going to participate virtually in Handel's Messiah. And the nice thing about doing it from home is you can sing along too. Thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. I'm so grateful to this amazing audience and we'll have you back next week for one more episode before we break for the holidays. And that's with Annalie Leptisen talking all about music picture books that you can read with your kiddos over Christmas break. Thank you to the Saskatoon Symphony Orchestra for sponsoring this podcast. Make sure you head over to saskatoonsymphony.org to purchase tickets for upcoming shows. I'm your host, Olivia Adams. This is Loud and Clear, and you can find me at OA Music Studios on socials. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.